Galatians 3, verses 23 through 29. Galatians 3, 23 through 29. And I'm reading from the New International Version. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized in the Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. I want to talk a little bit about being in the family. Being in the family. Family is an important part of human development. Family is where we get our natures from. Those things that we act about that we just don't understand why we do it, but everybody in the family seems to do it as well. Our nature. Family is also where we get our nurture from. The things where we are taught how to do certain things. Where people pass on family recipes and certain family skills on to each other because they're around each other. So both from a psychological standpoint, you get your nature and your nurture from family. Long before we ever step foot in a school, we learn from family first. Long before we are introduced to friends, it is our family who sees us first. We have our family around us at all times, and we even have certain cliches that we'll use to signify the importance of family. Me and my two and not you. Us four and no more. Blood is thicker than water. We learn to appreciate family. We learn to appreciate family so much that we put a value on family to our friends. When we have a close friend, they are like a brother to us. They are like a sister to us. They are like the father we never had. They are like another mother. That's my play cousin. We put family on, uh, on not only on blood, but just closeness in general. If we value the relationship, we consider each other family. We do it in the church. Refer to people as brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because family signifies closeness. And family is what we desire. Whether it be officially by people who that we are people we are related to grew up in our house, all of that good stuff, or whether it be somebody that we've developed a relationship with over time. Family is what we desire, those intimate relationships. And that is what Paul is talking about to the church in Galatia. 
when he talks about family. He is letting them know they are in the family. Let the church say family. They are in the family, and there is no extra work needed. They are in the family of Christ Jesus, and there is nothing extra they need to do to, in order to gain that status. No extra work, no extra ritual that they need to participate in, no extra law that they need to follow. They are in the family, and they don't need to prove that they are in the family either. They don't need to go on more to get the DNA test to see if someone is, a, is not the father. And even before the DNA test, we all had that person in our family, big mama or somebody, that we could bring the baby by. And they could look at that baby and say, okay, that, that's, that's your uncle's nose. It's somewhere in the family. Family is so close and so, so, so important to us that even if your mama and daddy don't have a particular trait, they say that if somebody along your bloodline had that trait, it's liable to show up in you. Family is important, and we don't need to have anybody take a good look to know that you're in. You're in. You're in the family of Christ Jesus, and that is what he is trying to tell these people at the Church of Galatia to let them know. There's no extra circumcision. There's no extra Sabbath keeping. There's no extra laws you need to keep. You are in the family. You are in the family, and you are loved. So they say before the coming of this faith, in, in the text it says before the, uh, before the coming of this faith, that is a revealing. And some texts say, the translations say that before the faith was revealed, and this faith that they are talking about is Jesus Christ. The apocalypse, the unveiling, the, the introduction, the letting them know that they're in the family of Jesus Christ. This faith is not a human attribute that they're talking about when they talk about the, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. That's one type of faith. But when they refer to faith right here in the text, they are talking about Jesus. And it's funny that the root word for faith in the Greek is trust. So do you trust Jesus? Do you trust your family members? How do you get to trust somebody but by spending time with them? The more time you get to spend with somebody, the more you get to treat them like family. The more comfortable you are around them, the more time you spend around them. So if we want to learn to exercise this faith, if we want to learn to have this faith revealed to us, if we want to learn to have this trust in Jesus Christ, we ought to be able to spend some time with him. We ought to be able to spend some time in his word. We ought to be able to spend some time fellowshipping with other believers. We ought to be able to spend some time in prayer. Build that relationship. I got a friend of mine that when somebody tries to call him brother, he always says, you didn't grow up in my house. What he was saying is, you didn't spend that time with me. You hadn't put in that work. And so if we are to exercise our faith, if we're, we're, we're able to understand this faith that is being revealed to us, if we're able to develop this trust, we got to be able to spend time with them. And so they talk about before the faith, we were held, before this faith was revealed, we were held in custody under the law. And they put a guardian over us. This is one, one translation of the word. It's interesting. I think it's like pedagogue in Greek which has pedagogy, which is a teaching method, 
But it's interesting, though, that when they talk about this guardian, this guardian was not necessarily a teacher. This guardian was like a child leader. The guardian in certain households that had the wherewithal to do this had servants that were responsible for training their children. They weren't officially a teacher, but they were responsible for protecting and training the child. I used to walk home from school when I was in from about kindergarten to fourth grade in Freeport, Illinois. I went to Taylor Park Elementary, and Taylor Park Elementary was across the street from my grandmother's house. Across the street, so I'd cross Stevenson Street and walk down Hancock Street till I got to the end of the block, right before Jackson Street, so give or take probably about 300 yards, if that. I would walk to grandma's house after school. One day I was walking home from school and I was met by a dog. A dog that I was not familiar with. This wasn't any of the neighbor's dogs that I knew. This wasn't nobody's dog that I knew and it didn't know me. So little old Johnny in elementary school ran all the way down Hancock Street to grandma's house till I got away from the dog. Well, grandmother decided we got to do something about this. Can't have no dog chasing my grandbaby home from school. So she talked to one of the young men that was probably about six or seven years older than me at the time by the name of Gary. And much bigger, much taller, much stronger. And he walked to school with a big stick. Gary was the kind of person that nobody messed with. Whenever Gary had trouble, not just with no dog, but when Gary had, if somebody had trouble in school, Gary would take care of that too. Gary was a big young man. And she talked to Gary, and Gary started walking me home from school. His street, his mama's house was also on Hancock Street, but his house was a couple houses before mine. So he'd walk to make sure that no dog got past me, and then I'd walk on past. But that was for a little bit of time. Gary was the child leader. Gary was sort of like the guardian, protecting and training. And eventually when I got big enough, because I, I was about four years old in kindergarten and five in first grade and whatnot, but once I got big enough to walk back and forth on my own and take care of the dog myself if I needed to, the guardian was no longer there. And so that is what he's talking about when Paul talks about the law. There's a time where we need to be under the guardian. There's a time where we need to be protected and trained until we develop a discipline and the skill set and the strength to be able to go on by ourselves. We're not to be under the guardian forever. We are to grow. We are to get access so that we are no longer under the guardian. We no longer need somebody to walk in front of us with a big stick. We can walk for ourselves and carry that stick for ourselves. And that's what the guardian was. That law was the guardian here to protect and train. It's kind of like growing up in high school, living in your mama's house. And then finally, after you're out of your mama's house, you go on. And there's no freedom. I mean, there, there is freedom, rather. Sometimes too much freedom. I laugh often when I think about my first year at Prairie View because everybody was walking around talking about, I'm grown. 
I'm grown. You going to this party tonight? It's going to go till about 2 in the morning? Yeah, I'm going to the party. I'm grown. How come you didn't go to class today? I'm grown. I don't need to go to class. And I always thought that was funny because I heard that so much in my first week that I decided I will never utter the phrase, I'm grown. Because I felt like if you had to say it, you're not grown. But I have to understand that that time that they all spent with rules and curfews and chores and all that stuff, put together a discipline so that they wouldn't just go out of the way and completely lose their mind when they got away from it. They spent that time under their parents or their guardian being trained, learning the discipline, learning the rules, and so that way when they learned it, they had something to fall back on. They had something to ground them. They had something to bring them there. So just like a kid that was going off to college and experiencing freedom, they have to understand that they would not have gotten as far as they did if it wasn't for that original discipline. And so we move from the guardian to Christ Jesus. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We no longer need these extra rules to prove that we're in the family. People just know. And then it says, some translations say children, some translations say God, but it applies to all. All means all. Not some, not half, not three-fourths, not five-eighths, none of that. All means all. There is no qualifier on it. All means not only the people now, but the people to come. All have access to Jesus. Nothing further is needed. We are adopted children of Christ because we are united to the true son, Jesus Christ. There's no extra thing to go on to it, and and them being referred to the sons of God is nothing new. We're talking about it in Galatians, but they talked about it in the Old Testament as well. Deuteronomy and in other places in the Old Testament, it was union, and that union came by being baptized with Christ. It's a vital union. Christ lives in us. As we talked about in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It is not I who lives, but the Christ that lives in me. That baptism gets you into the family. That baptism marks you and lets you know that you are God's child. Let's everybody know that you are God's child as well. Because Christ died for us. And then it talks about being clothed in Christ. Christ, you have clothed yourself with Christ. See, during those times when people got baptized, they had another outfit to put on. It was a new white garment. And this new white garment signified that the new life that they were entering in with Christ. The clothes identified who they were. The clothes let them let you know whose family they were a part of. Kind of like a family reunion. I don't know about y'all's family reunions, but I know for the Bruce Love family reunion, there is a t-shirt every year. Got a closet full of t-shirts with the city, the year, and they usually have some sort of fancy thing where somebody's drawn some art to put a tree on it. And different branches of the tree with all the different names that have gone on. Because you know people getting married and so the names may change, but the bloodline remain the same. 
And so these shirts that people put on identify when we were at whatever city we were at, Houston or Freeport, Illinois or Milwaukee, Wisconsin or Las Vegas, Nevada. No matter where the family reunion was, you were identified by what you wore. And so what that would do for me in times when we got lost in certain ways or separated from the people because it was a lot of people moving around, I knew I was safe when I could look around and I could see a bunch of people wearing the same shirt that I had on. I may not have grown up in the same house with them, but I knew that they were family. I knew I had some sort of connection to them. I knew whose they were. And the same thing of when you get baptized and put on this clothes of Christ, we may not have grown up in the same house. We may not have grown up in the same church. We may not have been in the same denomination but we are wearing the same Jesus. And if we are wearing the same Jesus, then we are all in the same family. Come here, brother. Come here, sister. Come here, cousin. We're all in the same family. Even if they don't wear the kind of clothes secularly that I may wear. Even if they don't have the kind of education that I have. There is no separation. You put these clothes on And not only do you put these clothes on, it puts on attributes or qualities of certain people. So this is more also about not just what you wore physically, but what you wore spiritually. Put on some faith. Put on some humility. Put on some love. Put on some patience. Put on some kindness. Understand that what you wear is representing whose you are. And if we're wearing Christ, are we representing him well? If we're wearing Christ, are we representing him well? I'm in several organizations. One of which that says I cannot wear their logo or emblem if the place that I'm at sells alcohol. Not supposed to be at, not, not whether or not I'm drinking or not, but where they're selling or serving it, you can't wear that logo there. Why? Because they don't want their image tarnished. They don't want their image, uh, their brand diminished. And if we can do that about a fraternity or a sorority or a community service organization or a professional networking group, how much more attention do we need to pay with Christ? Now, I'm not here trying to rail on alcohol. I'm just talking about how you carry yourself and how you represent yourself anywhere because you cannot drink at all and still be an evil person. You putting Christ on yourself and trying to tell other people that they're not in the family or even worse, that they're not worthy to be in the family by your actions. We are always somebody's perception of a Christian. We are always the only Bible some people will read. We are always the only sermon some people will hear. And I'll be saying that over and over and over again because that's the fact. When you talk to people that don't want to have anything to do with the church, 
They don't talk about the Bible. Some do, but very few do. They don't talk about the Bible having a problem with that. They don't have a problem with God. They have a problem with the people that are walking around calling themselves believers. How can you say you love me when you won't speak to me? That's in the Bible. How can you say you love God who you've never seen, but don't love your neighbor who you've seen every day? The kingdom of God is at hand. That doesn't necessarily always mean that it's coming. It means a lot of what we could do is within arm's reach. And so we have to be willing to tell people that they can be a part of this family. And not just walk by them like they don't exist. Not just walk by them like they are not worthy of being in this family. What if God judged us with the same standards that we judge others? In the family. And so we get in this family... And that's all we need is Jesus to get in the family. That's all we need. And then it says that there is, there is uh, neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor male nor female. They, they, this, this putting on these clothes assures that we all have a promise and we're shared in something that was once given to Abraham. See, the old way under the law, while it was a protector, while it was a guardian, there were those of, who were of the law that used the law to separate people, have certain statuses, put other hurdles in front of people so that they could separate themselves and insulate themselves from others. They classified those who weren't born into the Jewish system as different if they came to believe in Christ. We wanted y'all to be Jewish first before you got there. And then even amongst them, there was separation and classes of people. But Jesus came to take that down. Neither Jew nor Greek. No more religious separation in that. How we think that people aren't saved enough for our standards. Like we have our own personal heaven or hell to put them in. I don't know about you, but I don't have a gate for other people to walk through. Jesus is responsible for determining who's going to get into heaven or hell, not anybody else. I once heard a pastor say that holiness is about giving your heart and soul to God, not about kicking other people out to church. I'm going to say that again. Holiness is about giving your heart and soul to God. Not about kicking other people out the church. Not about using that to tell them what they can wear to church. Not about using that to tell them what kind of makeup they should put on or not. Not about using that what to tell whether or not they need to speak. Holiness is about giving yourself to God. Not about turning the church into a club that is so small because it's elite and they're not worthy anyway. We don't want them because they're not real believers. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned 
I don't know about you, but the only definition I know for all encompasses everything. So no Jew, no Greek. So there's no more religious separation. No slave, nor free. No more social class separation. It doesn't matter how much money you make or don't make. It doesn't matter where you went to school, how much education you have or don't have. It doesn't matter what zip code you stay in, what subdivision you stay in. It doesn't matter what kind of job you got. If you got you a little position, it doesn't matter. Nor slave, nor free. Your social class doesn't matter. Social status does not matter in Jesus. We all are new creatures in Christ. And even if it did matter, Let's, let's just say for a moment the social status did matter. No matter how much money you think you have, there's always somebody that's making more. No matter how much money you think you're making, there's probably somebody around that has that much money sitting in between the cushions of their couch. Spend more than what you make a year on groceries. No matter how much money you've got, no matter how much education you've had, there's always somebody with more. I didn't understand it was possible, but I've come across people that have multiple PhDs. Who has the time to dedicate that much time to it? Multiple PhDs in multiple disciplines, and they're just Bob. Yeah, I've got three, H, three PhDs, one in physics and one in chemistry and one in chemical engineering. I'm, I'm, I'm just here to help. Well, what are we doing today? So no matter how much education you've had, no matter how big your house is, I'm pretty sure there's somebody that's like, that's not even my driveway. I've got, that's, that's a cute little summer home for you. So it doesn't matter, no matter what you think you've attained, Somebody has always obtained more. So no Jew, nor Greek, no more religious separation. No more slave, nor free. Your social class doesn't matter. Nor male, nor female. We are not concerned about gender differences. People out here intentionally trying to put man against woman. People intentionally trying to keep people out of certain areas just based on their gender. I, I never understood how anybody could have a problem with a female preacher. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I just don't. It's women all in the Bible. If you look at the gospel, Jesus was born of a virgin, crucified, died, and buried, rose again on the third day. It's a woman for each one of those things. It's a woman there. And not only that, but when the stone was rolled away, the angel told the women to go tell the disciples. So to me, that's the first Easter sermon right there. That's the first person saying he got up with all power in his hand. That's the first time you heard that. If anything, you could probably spend that time arguing that uh, men shouldn't preach. 
wasn't a man there for the story. And we always, well, not we, but people in general go to that same tire. I permit no woman to sit over a man, but you need to do some, some more studying about that. That was a specific instance in a specific time, and that actually had nothing to do with the preaching. It had to do with people in the church at that time making noise. And so the, the women to seek to keep silent was necessarily, and maybe it was an a, a Episcopalian church or something like that where they don't talk back to the pastor, but the, the noise was keeping up. So that's the keep silent part. It's not to get them out the pulpit, keep silent. It's not to disturb the service, keep silent. So the male or female does not matter. Another soft spot that's kind of been bothering me, especially since today is Father's Day. The number of posts I see on social media of people hyping up their mom on Father's Day. Mother's Day is Mother's Day. Father's Day is Father's Day. I was raised in a single-parent home. I'll never say Happy Father's Day to my mother. She'd probably slap the taste out my mouth if I did. My mother was a mother. That's not to diminish the work of a single parent. But it's to understand, but these are all just things that people will use to separate people. And we cannot allow ourselves to be separated in Christ Jesus. Your religious status don't matter. Your social status don't matter. Your gender does not matter. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all new creatures. The wall of separation that is between all of these things are removed by Christ Jesus. They're all removed. No human distinctions, no advantages. There's nothing. Paul is here to indicate that in Jesus Christ, all of that stuff is removed and until Christ returns, the order is set. And then we have, because they're new in Jesus Christ, they have the heirs of the promise. The heirs of the promise of those who have faith in Jesus. Not just those who kept the law, but those who have faith in Jesus. And they get to be a part of Abraham's family. Abraham was named Abram, but God changed his name to Abraham. Told him to get out of his country from around his father's house. And he would send him to the promised land. That was a promise and make him a great nation in Genesis 12. If you want to go check it out when you get at home. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Told him to get out from his father's country. And he would send him to the promised land and make him a great nation. He was going to be blessed. And not only was he going to be blessed, that's Abraham. Abraham was going to be a blessing. And those who blessed Abraham would be blessed. And those who cursed Abraham would be cursed. And in Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. So when they're talking about the heirs of the promise, they're talking about getting access to the blessings of Abraham. Abraham was such a big deal that three major religions say that they're in his family. Christians, Jewish people, 
and Muslims all claim lineage to Abraham. That's a big deal. But we're in the family. Abraham would go on to have two children, one named Ishmael and one named Isaac. And he had Isaac with his wife Sarah well past the years that he was supposed to have children. But that was the promise. Isaac would go on to, and, 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 and with Isaac, he would, after he got this blessing, after he got this wonderful thing, God would tell him to sacrifice that child. And he'd go all the way up to the mountain showing his great faith, doing what God had told him to do. But at the end, he would not have to sacrifice his son. God will provide a ram in the bush. Isaac would go on to have twin sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob would go on and, and, and change his name to Israel after wrestling with God. He was in the family. Israel would go on to have 12 sons, one of which was named Judah. Judah, which means praise, and he was in the family. Going further down this line of Judah, we'd have somebody by the name of Boaz. Boaz was a man's man among men. He married a woman by the name of Ruth, and they had children. Boaz beget Obed. Obed beget Jesse, and Jesse beget somebody by the name of David. Y'all might have heard of David. David killed Goliath with five stones in a slingshot, killed these Philistines. He's the same person that when he lost and, the, and his boss, the king, was trying to kill him, he had to hide in enemy territory in Gath, the head of the Philistines, and almost get killed by the Philistine king. David was in the family. David had to play crazy in the family to get away from the king of Gath and hide up in a, in a cave. But when he had made his way out of that murderous situation, he would write, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David was in the family. And know you in the family, sometimes you mess up. And so he would mess up with Bathsheba. And then get the Bathsheba's husband killed. But out of that relationship, after he had sinned, he wrote to God, create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit within me. He made that mistake, but he had that thing and he moved on. But David was in the family. Well, David and Bathsheba would have a son named Solomon. Solomon was one of the wisest men that was ever known. Solomon wrote the words in Proverbs 3. My son, forget not my law, but let my heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life. And peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So thou shalt have favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. He was in the family. He was in the family. Go on down the line. David would have a child and they would have children. They would have Solomon and Solomon would have children. And we'd go down the line until we got to a town called Bethlehem. A man by the name of Joseph with his wife in labor about to have a baby. They had no room in the inn. So they went to a manger. And in that, baby, in that manger was a boy born, a bouncing baby boy by the name of Jesus. That baby boy was in the family. That family he was in, he would grow up to 
open up blinded eyes, heal the sick, raise the dead, set the captives free, declare the acceptable year of the Lord because he was in the family. And then because he was in the family, he would have to go to Calvary. And being in the family, they put a crown of thorns on him, nail him to the cross. But he was in the family. So when he died, he didn't stay dead. He got up with all power in his hand. And because he got up with all power in his hand, we have access to the family. You're in the family. You're in the family. You're in the family. You're all in the family through Christ Jesus. The doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Hallelujah. 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 When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. I don't deserve to be in the family, but he still let me in the family. I don't deserve his loving kindness, but he still let me in the family. I don't deserve to be forgiven of my sins, but he still let me in the family. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.